Um, how are y'all doing today? We doing good? Awesome. If you don't know me, my name is Adam Philpot. I grew up here. I started here when kids ministry was called G-Force. That's a throwback. Many of you probably don't know what that is. But that's where I started. I went all the way through to Switch, went through Collide, and now I'm going to Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary to study, to be equipped for my calling to pastoral ministry. I got saved when I was in fifth grade, got baptized here when I was about 10 or 11, and I got called to ministry when I was in eighth grade at a summer camp with Switch. Um, I'm, I'm so grateful to be here. I've been interning here this summer, working with our middle school ministry, working with Pastor Ryan. Ryan, thank you so much for how much you've invested in me and taught me how to read the Bible before uh, when I was in middle school and just poured into me and saw something in me um, when I was young. Um, I'm so thankful for him. Just wanted to thank him publicly. Um, but yeah, so this summer has been amazing. I've gotten to go to high school camp. I've gotten to go to middle school camp. I'm going to Columbus tomorrow at 4 a.m., so please pray for me. Um, <laughs> we're gonna go and share the love of Jesus with homeless, impoverished, and drug-addicted people out there, and we're gonna share the gospel with those people and meet needs and just shine the love of Jesus to these people. And it's gonna be mainly high schoolers doing it. I'm so thankful for a church that enables the next generation to actually get in on the mission of God, because that's where I realized that I could actually do what God had called me to do. And so I'm so thankful to be going to do that. I've also gotten to teach our high schoolers in our Thursday morning Bible study through the Psalms, and it's been absolutely amazing. I'd say this summer has been a high point in my life, like a, like a high point, like an like a eternally grateful moment of my life that I'll never forget, getting to do what God has called me to do, getting to learn from people that love me and want to pour into me. And this summer has just been amazing. But if we're all honest in here, we have those amazing moments, but we also have valley moments. We also have dark moments and storms and trials and suffering in our life. And a lot of times it can seem like the only thing that you could ever feel in those storms is fear. A loved one dies. A friend turns their back on you. The grades don't turn out how you wanted them to. Everything goes into chaos and it seems like you can't do anything to fix it and it's all out of your control and you're just scared that the next moment is gonna be terrible. But if we look to God's word, we actually see that we can face trials and suffering and we can have faith over fear. We can face trials and suffering and we can have peace and strength as we draw near to Jesus. Today we're gonna to turn to Matthew 14, 22 through 33 in God's word. If you have a Bible, turn there with me. And we're gonna read about the disciples in the middle of a storm and Jesus coming to the disciples in the middle of their storm and Jesus doing this changes everything. So open with me to Matthew 14, 22 through 33. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way away from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, <clears throat> he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. 
So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached, his ha- reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. In this passage today, we're going to see seven truths that allow us to have faith instead of fear in the storms of life as we draw near to Jesus. If you don't hear anything else I say today throughout this whole entire message, I'm gonna call you to draw near to Jesus. So go ahead and write that down. It's not a blank in your outline, but write down, draw near to Jesus. The first point that we have today, write this down, is we all go through storms. Verses 22 through 24 say, immediately, He made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way away from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. If anybody should have expected to not go through a storm in their life, it would have been the disciples, right? Like the disciples were were Jesus' guys. Like these guys followed him around. They left everything behind to follow him in his ministry. They were Jesus' guys. So why were they going through this storm? Why, why would they be the ones that Jesus chose to put through this terrible thing that scared them and made them fear for their lives? What if I told you today that suffering and storms and trials are actually profitable for our faith? They're actually not uncommon to the Christian experience because we know from the scriptures that God permits the testing of our faith to produce steadfastness and faithfulness in us. James 1, 2 through 4 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet the trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. It is common and and not out of the ordinary for you to face a trial and a storm to test your faith. It's, It's common. Everyone in here goes through storms. Everyone faces trials and suffering. Everyone does. Everyone, even the leaders around us, the pastors and the leaders in this church face storms. Charles Spurgeon, you might not know who he is, but he was the mega church pastor before we had LED screens and lights and fog machines. Like in the 1800s, Charles Spurgeon was the guy. Like he, he was the dude the Christian dude. For over a hundred years, there wasn't a single ship that left England without one of his sermons on it. And you hear all this and you think, Charles Spurgeon, okay, never heard of him, but it sounds like he had a lot of faith. It sounds like he probably didn't go through a lot of hard things in his life. But actually, if you read about Charles Spurgeon, you'll realize, and it might surprise you, that he actually battled depression for most of his life as a pastor because of something that happened while he was preaching. And even more surprising, Charles Spurgeon would later write that his depression was necessary and an advancement in his spiritual life. What? How? You mean to tell me that it was necessary and an advancement in your spiritual life? It was good for your relationship with Jesus, Charles Spurgeon? And he says, yes. And I would tell you that your storm is necessary and an advancement, an opportunity for advancement in your spiritual life if you were to draw near to Jesus. 
and see that he has a purpose in it and see that you are not alone. Just as the disciples were not alone in their suffering and their storm, you are not alone in your suffering and your storm. The person next to you, the person to the right and to the left of you is facing a storm. If they're not, they're, they're headed for one and you're not alone. So draw near to Jesus. You are not alone in your storm. We must not ignore that. Not only should we recognize that we all go through storms, but we should also recognize, this is number two, that Jesus is in control of the storm. Verse 22 says, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. Verse 26 says, but when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. Verse 27 says, immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Verse 29 says, he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. Verse 32 says, and when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Do you see just how much control Jesus has over this entire situation? He, he is in control of the entire storm. He orchestrated the whole thing. He went to them on the water. He's the one who sent them in the first place into the storm. He knew the storm was coming. He went to them on the water. He called Peter out onto the water to walk with him. He gave him that power to do that. And when he got into the boat, he's the reason that the storm stopped. Jesus was in control of this entire thing. Going through a storm as a Christian is different than going through one when we aren't. You know why? Because we know and we have a relationship with the one in control of the entire universe. Colossians 1, 15 through 16 says about Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. The same God who put the stars into place and the planets into motion, created you. And he's not sitting in heaven with his arms crossed laughing at you while you're suffering. Hebrews 4.15 says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. What this verse means is that the creator of the universe actually can sympathize with you. The creator of the universe actually understands what you're going through. The creator of the universe who understands what you're going through is in control of your storm. And this is every reason to not have fear, but to have faith in the storm. The Lord of all creation, Jesus Christ, is the Lord of your storm. And as we recognize this, as we recognize the one who is in control of our life, as we recognize that he also loves us and cares for us and sympathizes with us and understands us, we have no reason to fear the storm. In fact, we have every reason to have faith and to trust him, that he will see us through to an end that glorifies him and is for our good. So draw near to Jesus. He is in control. Why would you not draw near to the one who's in control of your storm and wants you to draw near to him? He said to Peter, come. And he's calling to you, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. He's calling you to come near, so draw near to Jesus. He wants you to. He's in control of your storm, so draw near to him. We must also recognize, number three, that Jesus is present in the storm. 
Verse 25 says, in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. In verse 25, it says the fourth watch of the night. This means between three and 6 a.m. So the disciples have been going through this storm for hours on end, and then a ghost comes to them and they're scared. I'd be scared too if I was rowing all night, just trying to get to the other side, man. Jesus told me I gotta get over here. But then I see a ghost and I'm gonna have to whack it with the oar that I'm, that I'm rowing with. All of a sudden the disciples are, are turning into Scooby-Doo and the gang with this ghost coming at them. No, Jesus sets the record straight immediately. It's not a ghost. It's not a phantom. It's not anything to be feared, but it's the great I am. Jesus here echoes the words of God that God used in the Old Testament to reveal himself to the Israelites. If you look at the the original Greek text here in this passage, we get to see something that we don't see in the English. And I'm not just pulling this out of my back pocket so I can flex my Greek on you. I'm just pulling this out so that you can see something amazing in the scriptures. In this verse, Jesus says, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Those three words, it is I, come from the two words in Greek that are actually ego, a me. Ego, a me. Not talking about the waffles. Ego, a me. That means Jesus is actually saying here, take heart, it is I am. Take heart, it is I am. And what that means is in the Old Testament, Moses asked God, who should I tell the Israelites you're sending me in the name of? And God says, go in the name of I am. God says, I am. And Jesus here is saying to the disciples that he is the God of the Old Testament, the God of the Israelites, and the God of this storm that the disciples are in right now. Jesus is the God of the Old Testament, the New Testament, and the God of your life, the God of your storm. The Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, is drawing near to the disciples in the midst of their storm. And this statement is a statement of identity from Jesus. And he's saying, I am God. I am God and I am here in your storm. Even though they mistake him for a ghost, they think he's a ghost, but no, it's I am. And even though they mistake it, he still reveals himself to them. How many of you know that life storms are a unique opportunity for us to understand more about who God is? It's an incredibly unique opportunity. And the truth is for every single one of us, we have an opportunity when we're in a storm to either choose faith and know God better and take the opportunity to to understand more of who he is, or we have the opportunity to choose fear and put all of our attention on the wind and the waves of our life. You know what's better than Jesus walking walking on the water to a boat that you're in? What's better than that is God living inside of you in the middle of your storm. If you are a Christian in this room today, then I have news for you. God lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit has come to live inside of you and God is present in every moment of your life. In every moment. Jesus says of the Holy Spirit in John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. This is a reason for faith over fear. No matter where we go, what we go through, how terrible it seems, God is there. The Spirit lives in us and reminds us of Jesus constantly calling us closer to him. Isaiah 43, one through three says, but now thus says the Lord, who, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. 
When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When I was a kid, I was deathly afraid of thunderstorms. Like, I'm talking fear in every bone and ounce of my body. I was scared that the storm would knock our house off its foundation, that a tree would fall through the roof and my whole family was just gonna die. And the only thing that would help when I would go through these, this fear and through these thunderstorms was being near to my parents. Like if my dad was in the living room, I'd just sit next to him and have to hold his hand or something. And if, if I had to go to my mom, I would go into their bedroom and I'd just lay on the bed and cover up with a blanket with my head covered because I was so scared. And my mom was in there. And it was like when I went through these thunderstorms and I was with my parents, all I needed was their presence. All I needed was just to be near to them, to know that I was going to be okay, that they were going to take care of me, that, that they weren't going to let me get hurt. Maybe for some of you today, you don't realize that you are God's child and he is present with you every moment of your life. He is with you. If you are a Christian, you are called by name, you are God's child and he is with you in the storm and you have no reason to fear because his word promises that he will work all things together for the good of those who love him. So draw near to him. He's already come to you, and your step, your step of faith is to draw near to him. Next, we must recognize that Jesus is our strength in the storm. Verse 28 through 31 says, And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, come, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Imagine what this moment was like for Peter. He calls out to Jesus and he asks him, if it's really you, then you could tell me to walk on the water and I would be able to do it. So Jesus does it and Peter steps out on the water. Me and Pastor Steve were talking about this passage and we were like, what, what was that like? like what did the water feel like? Did it feel like hardwood? Did it feel like shag carpet? Was Peter walking around like a newborn baby, just like wobbling? Peter walks out on the water and he draws near to Jesus. And the truth is that in what minute way Peter understood who Jesus was at the time, he knew Jesus was safer than the boat. And Peter was only able to walk on the water because of the strength that Jesus provided him to do it with. And it was only when Peter was looking to Jesus as he was drawing near to him that he found that strength in the storm. Strength, soul strength. To be able to stand in the middle of the waves and the wind, in the middle of the storm, that kind of strength only comes from what you truly trust in. It only comes from what you put your faith in. And the only way that you will be able to stand in this life and that you won't sink is if you look to Jesus and fully trust him. You will sink in the waters of this life. You will drown if you do not trust Jesus. Notice how the moment Peter took his eyes off of Jesus, he began to sink into the water. Wasn't it kind of easy for Peter to take his eyes off of Jesus? Like Peter had seen a storm before. I imagine he'd seen storms his whole entire life. 
but he'd never seen a man walking on water. Like, like he'd never seen a guy who claimed to be the son of God walking on water before, but it was so easy for him to get distracted and look away to something that he'd seen so often before. What happened was Peter allowed his circumstances and his surroundings to dictate his obedience to Jesus. Jesus tells him, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And he's telling that to all the disciples, but also Peter. He tells him, do not be afraid. And then we see in verse 30, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid. Peter was disobedient. It revealed that Peter truly only cared about his safety, that Peter truly only cared about being safe and not falling in the storm. But if he just looked to Jesus, he would realize that he wouldn't fall in the storm if he kept his eyes on him. He wasn't caring the most about keeping his eyes on Jesus. And the beauty of this whole thing is that Jesus didn't let Peter die in the waters, did he? Peter calls out to Jesus. He says, Lord, save me. And he immediately gets him up out of the water. Peter sinks down and he's just trying to get to the surface and he cries out as he sinks below, Lord, save me. Jesus, like I said earlier, he doesn't cross his arms and just watch him sink and laugh. You, you idiot. Why, why'd you stop looking at me? No. Jesus reaches down and picks up Peter and carries him back to the boat. He reaches down and he corrects him, but he's still loving in it. And he says, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And this reveals more about Peter's condition. He disobeyed and he doubted. He disobeyed the command to not fear and he doubted that Jesus was strong enough, that Jesus was good enough, that Jesus actually was who he said he was and that Jesus in the middle of the storm could actually work it out for Peter's good. That Jesus could actually be strong enough to keep him safe. He doubted and he disobeyed and he was weak. But before you start looking down on Peter, you yourself are actually weak too. Every single one of us in this room are weak. None of us could stand on the water. None of us would be able to stand in our storm. You are all weak, and I am too. And we need strength. But the only strength that you will ever find is not in your money, not in your collection, not in your accolades, not in your job, not in anything in this life. The only strength that you will ever find is in Jesus Christ. The only strength that you will ever have to stand in life's storms is in Jesus. He is the only source. So maybe today you realize that you are sinking and you're just barely below the surface. And your step of faith today is to cry out, Lord, save me. I'm weak and I need your strength. I need you to save me. Lord, save me. And some of you today need to draw near to Jesus because you realize just how weak you are and just how strong he is. So draw near to Jesus because he is our strength in the storm. And in your weakness, his strength is perfected. In your weakness, Jesus' strength is perfected. Number five, Jesus also is our peace in the storm. Verse 32 says, and when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. 
Jesus gets into the boat with the disciples, with Peter in his arms, and the wind stops. The storm completely stops. And what this actually reveals to us today is that Jesus had a purpose in the storm this entire time. His purpose was to reveal to the disciples who they actually believed in, to reveal who he is, to reveal who the object of their faith is, to reveal that he is the Lord over all creation, that he is the Lord over every storm, and he is the Prince of Peace. That where there is chaos, Christ also can bring peace. And maybe your life is in chaos and turmoil today. Christ can bring peace. But the only way you'll find that peace is if you fully trust in him, if you fully and humbly submit to him and cry out, Lord, save me, and let him into every aspect and part of your life. So is he the Lord of your life? Do you fully trust him? Have you made the decision to give him every aspect of every part of your life? Because Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Have you, in the middle of your storm, turned to Jesus and asked for help? Have you turned to him and asked for relief from the anxious thoughts and the turmoil in your life? Because what this verse says is that when we come to God and we give him our request, he gives us peace. Wait, 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 wait. When we give him our request, he gives us peace. What? So he doesn't give us our request? He doesn't promise that he'll give us our request? No, because God knows that above our request and what we want, we need to submit to his lordship. And when we do that, he gives us peace. He gives us peace that surpasses all understanding, that guards your heart and your mind. He will give you peace that, that doesn't even make sense how it even works and how you're able to go through life's storms and actually be okay. He'll give you peace that you don't understand. Your whole life can be going down the drain into a dark pit and it seems like nothing is in control and nothing will ever work out for the good. But when you turn to Jesus and give him your request and tell him what you want, he gives you peace. And I can tell you that Jesus is our peace because I've experienced it for myself. When I was in high school, I went through a series of months where I battled anxiety. And there were nights on end that I would stay up all hours of the night just being plagued with thoughts about the future, about my life and my job and my money and relationships and friendships and college and grades and test scores and everything was in my mind just, just going through it, running at the fastest pace I could ever go through. And I would, I would be sweating and the room would be spinning and I would just be trying to go to sleep, man. And I just wanted, I just wanted some sleep, dude. Like I, I, this anxiety was, was, was terrible. I told my parents about it and they helped me a little bit with it, but the true cure to this was recognizing who I had a relationship with. Recognizing that the Prince of Peace, the Lord of all creation, the Lord of my storm and the Lord over my anxieties and worries was who I had a relationship with. I decided I was gonna draw near to Jesus 
and give him my request and let him know where I'm at honestly and truthfully. God, I don't know where everything's gonna end up. I'm stressed out and I'm anxious and I can't sleep. Will you help me? And it wasn't an instant fix. It wasn't, I'll be honest with you. I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that one prayer is gonna fix every problem in your life, but I will tell you that if you repeatedly and continuously submit to Jesus and give him everything and trust in his lordship, he will give you peace that surpasses all understanding. He will give you peace that allows you to go through life's storms with a peace and a soundness of heart. That doesn't mean that I don't still go through storms and anxiety is still a thing in my life. And I'm going through a storm right now in my life. I just can't give you all the details of it, but there have been tears shed. There have been nights spent on my knees praying for the Lord to move in a way that only he could. And I haven't seen much movement. But I can sit here and tell you that in the midst of all of that non-movement of God, I have peace. And that's enough movement for me. The peace of God will protect your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And if you are a Christian today and you are in the middle of a storm or you're just going through life, if you draw near to Jesus, he will give you peace. He will. He offers it to you freely. Just as we recognize Jesus is our peace, we must recognize that Jesus is worthy of worship. Verse 33 says, and those in the boat worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. Jesus is worthy of worship in every way, in every way. But in this verse, we see that this is the first time the disciples have proclaimed that he is truly the son of God. They've seen him heal people. They've seen him do miracles. They've seen him cast out demons. They've seen him preach. And this is the first time they say that. Why is that? Why is that the first time that they say that? Did it change how worthy Jesus was? Did what Jesus did by calming the storm change how worthy Jesus was? Did what Jesus did by picking Peter up and putting him back in the boat change how worthy he was? No. No matter what Jesus would have done in this storm, he still would have been completely worthy of all worship. But what if I told you today that what Jesus did in the storm did not change how worthy he was, it changed the hearts of the one worshiping. It changed the hearts of the ones who were worshiping him. And when God works in your life in a miraculous way, you can't help but worship him because you've seen and you've tasted and you've experienced his goodness. Thankfully, God doesn't just give us these concepts and precepts of how worthy he is to be worshiped and tells us, worship me. He works in our lives and shows us how good he is. And then we get to worship him because of how good he's been to us. It doesn't change how worthy he is before or after he's worked in our life but he just shows us how worthy he is. And we get the honor of beholding his works in our lives. He is worthy of worship. You'll never truly be able to worship him rightly though, if you don't recognize our seventh point today, life's ultimate storm. Without Jesus, we're all bound to sink in our sin and die without hope. If you have not decided to follow Jesus, you are destined to go to hell and spend eternity separated from him. You are lost in the storm of life. This storm, life's ultimate storm, is called sin. 
It introduced imperfection in our lives. It causes every other storm in our lives and mars and taints every aspect of every moment of our life. Sin. It's the thing that separates us from God. Without God, we are lost in this storm. We are unable to, to walk or swim. We will just sink. And you might think you're doing okay without Jesus, but in the end, you will realize that you are just sinking. You have no hope without Jesus, but God, he is rich in mercy and grace and love, and he sent Jesus, his son, to die on the cross for you, to save you from life's ultimate storm, to live a perfect and sinless life, and then to go to the cross and die the death that we deserved but it didn't end there. He rose again three days later and he gives us victory over this ultimate storm. If we were to just turn to him and call out to him, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. And what that takes is humility to recognize that you can't swim in the storm. You can't make it out of the storm yourself. Jesus came to the middle of our storm of sin that we were absolutely lost in he came to save us. So how do we get to him? We place our faith and our trust in him and we turn from our sin to him as our Lord and our savior. And if you don't do that, all you'll ever experience in this life is fear. The storms will come, the wind will blow, and you will just fear. But Jesus gives us all of these things that I've told you today in the middle of the storm and saves us from life's ultimate storm. And if you are saved, if Jesus has saved you from life's ultimate storm, Romans 5, 1 through 11 is truth for you. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, while I was still a sinner, while you were still a sinner, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Through Christ, we have been declared innocent. Through Christ, we have peace where there was once hostility. Through Christ, we can draw near to God. Through Christ, we can go through sufferings with joy. Through Christ, we are weak but strong in him. Through Christ, we are deeply and incredibly loved. Through Christ, where we once faced wrath and death, we are reconciled and have eternal life. If you haven't been saved from life's ultimate storm, draw near to Jesus and cry out for the Lord to save you. 
Don't wait, don't hesitate, don't delay, do it today. Cry out to him for him to save you. Draw near to him. That's the only way that you will be saved. That's the only way you will sink and you will die. And I plead with you today, draw near to him through faith and repentance and crying out for him to save you. Draw near to him. Maybe you have been saved from life's ultimate storm, but you're going through a storm right now, a testing of your faith. I would plead with you today to take this last song and draw near to Jesus. Don't think about what you're doing next. Just stop for a moment. And maybe meditate on one of the points from today's passage or meditate on the passage or how good he's been in the past and how good he is going to be in the storm you're in right now. Just draw near to Jesus. Come to the front if you have to and kneel down before him. Get on your knees in the aisle, get on the knees at your seat, sit down and pray and draw near to him, but take this time and worship him and draw near to him in the middle of your storm. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are so good. I'm so thankful that I've gotten the opportunity just to preach your word. Thankful for a church that believes in the next generation that has discipled me, that has poured into me. I'm thankful for everyone here today, God. And I'm thankful for how good you are to us. Even when it seems like life is going terrible, we can look to you and know that you are good. Lord, I pray that we would draw near to you in our storms and we would recognize how good you are. Lord, would you be with us as we go from this place? Would you make your presence so abundantly clear to us? It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.